You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Unveiled. Enjoy. I want to say something to you and I want you to think about it. All that God is, all that He is, is available all the time to anyone who would believe. (laughs) All that God is, is fully and completely available to anyone who would believe. In other words, he's not holding anything back from anyone. We know that because he gave his son. Through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the the totality of God has been made available to you. Isn't that amazing? You can have all of the Creator that you desire. How much of Him do you want? I can't get enough. How much of the one who made you do you want to taste? I hate religion. It's such a waste of time. All the programs and the doctrines, they'll lead you to a dead end, and the only thing that you have in your mouth is a bad taste because it's not Jesus. He never came to establish a religion. He came to bring you into a relationship you can taste. Taste is one of our senses, isn't it? Tasting, touching, hearing, smelling. Those are our senses, right? Did I forget one? See? Yeah, I don't know what I forgot. What's God saying, taste and see? I want you to experience me. I want your senses to know who I am. I want you to ex- I want your whole person to experience my whole person. Do you know the Holy Spirit Jesus ascended to the Father, he's sitting at the right hand and about a week to 10 days after he ascended, the Holy Spirit came into the earth. Do you know why he's in the earth? So that you can experience God. So that your whole person can experience the whole person of God. Religion can't handle this kind of conversation. Religion just can't handle this. But you can. You're made for this. You're made to be filled with the one who made you. He designed you to be his house. Let's look at John 16, verse 14. We're starting a new series today called Unveiled. Unveiled. This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And if you've been at Highway Church, you know that 2019 we're calling the year of the Spirit. This is a year where, where we're going to lean on the Holy Spirit more than ever before where we're going to respond to his leading 
to his promptings more than ever before, where we're going to rely on his strength, his wisdom, his provision more than ever before. Year of the Spirit. Jesus tells us and teaches us and demonstrates to us why the Holy Spirit is here. And he says this in John 16, verse 14. He says, he will bring glory to me, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will bring glory to Jesus. How? By taking from what belongs to Jesus and making it yours. You see that? Am I stretching this? Is that what he's saying? The Holy Spirit will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine, this is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, and making it known to you. Making it a reality to you. What's the Holy Spirit's role? To take the reality of Christ and make it your reality. Verse 15. All, I love how Jesus talks. That's what changed my life at the age of 19. I began reading him in the book of John. I thought, I've never met anyone who talks like this. And I want to know more. I'd been to church my whole life, but I didn't hear anyone talk like Jesus did. See, church should be a place where you come and you hear Jesus. Not man's ideas about Jesus. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Who's talking here? Jesus, right? All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So if this is true, If all of God is available all the time to anyone who believed, why aren't more people experiencing more God? Because they don't know his heart. They've been listening to man's religious ideas too long. Once is too long. Scores and scores, millions of believers don't know the heart of God. They know their religious tradition very well, but they don't know the very nature, the characteristics, the tendencies, the desires, the plans of the one who made them. This is a big deal. Because if you don't know his heart, you can't consistently experience him. You may have times when you will, but if you want to consistently, daily walk with him, you've got to know what makes him tick. You know what makes God tick? Love for you. If he got up in the morning, he doesn't because he never sleeps, but he'd get up for you. You remember, right, that your picture's on his refrigerator, right? Many have believed wrong things about the heart of God. 
because they've been told by a, someone, maybe a, their family, maybe a minister, maybe a church they grew up in. And these wrong beliefs become obstacles that keep them from tasting how good he is. In fact, if, you have, if you're ignorant of his heart, of his true nature, it becomes like a veil in your life that clouds your vision and keeps you from, from getting to him. Put up Hosea 4.6. This is quite a statement. The prophet said, my people, speaking of God's people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Of me. Not of the internet or databases or chemistry or algebra. Knowledge of my heart. They don't know me. And as a result, the devil can steal, kill, and destroy because they don't know the, the, the desires and will of my heart. And it's like a veil over their minds and their hearts. Well, we want to see that veil removed. The veil of ignorance is taken away when you take your religious goggles off, you take your religious headphones off, and you fix the whole of your person on the person of Jesus. Not your version of Jesus, not my version of Jesus, but the version of Jesus recorded here in the Scriptures. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. I know there's more to the Bible. I know there's uh, 39 books in the Old Testament and the epistles that follow uh, the Acts and Gospels. The Gospel and the Acts. Gospels and Acts. And someone said that to me, someone who was kind of frustrated that we talked about Jesus so much. What do you expect to hear when you come? That's where religion has brought people. They don't expect to experience Jesus when they come. They want to hear kind of maybe a, a perspective on world events or maybe what's going on in the current culture or what the latest program is in the church. But they really aren't set on experiencing the resurrected Messiah. So he said, you know, there are other books in the Bible. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, I said, there are. You're right. And every one of them points to Jesus. He's the reason for every one of them. So if you'll focus on the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, he's the key to understanding the other books. You can't understand Genesis apart from the person of Jesus. You can't. If you're not in an intimate, vibrant relationship with the person of Jesus, you can't understand the Bible. Do you know you could take my Bible and you can put it in the dumpster out there on the, and that doesn't change a thing because I'm in a relationship with the person of Jesus. You can't take him from me. Many people are in a relationship with their Bible and they're not experiencing the one who wrote it. Love the Bible. It's probably the most uh, important physical 
thing in my life as far as written physical things that I can study and partake of. This is the only book I'd ever choose to read if I could have no other. And I study it and I meditate on it. It's the Word of God. But this is just paper. I've had several of these in my life. I've got a bunch of them at home. This is not God. It's His written Word. you understand what I'm saying? God is a being. And long before this was ever published, He is. It's time to know the One who is. Thank God for the written Word because He's revealed in here. But God wants you to taste Him. Do you know what this tastes like? Paper. And leather. I don't like to eat paper and leather. I like, I like to eat fresh, hot stuff. It's time for you to eat fresh, hot Jesus. I love stuff out of the oven. In fact, I can tell when the oven's on. I could be down the road a mile or two. There's just something about the oven being on that excites me. <laughs> Maybe Jennifer's taking notes right now. <laughs> pumpkin pie. The moment Jennifer decides to make pumpkin pie, I'm a new man. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but it does. Why is that? Because she's putting ingredients together that are my favorite. She's using her skills and abilities to purposefully assemble the ingredients that satisfy me. And she's putting them into a pan, and she's, then she places them in this hot oven until it's ready. Then she pulls it out, and I'm smiling. You see, when God sent his son Jesus, he put together the ingredients in his son that you need to behold. And he went into the oven of hell for three days until he was done. And the, and the father declared, that is enough. And he rose up out of that oven a new man so that you could become a new man. So that the ingredients of God could become your ingredients. So that God's recipe could be on your menu every day. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Here's our scripture for this series. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 13. I love the Holy Spirit. Just, just receive from him right now. You know at Highway Church, healings take place Could anytime people come in the door. Could, we could be singing. We could be shaking hands. We could be eating muffins back there. We could be doing the Word. So don't, if you need healing, don't wait for a prayer line. Receive it now. Let the Holy Spirit give you what you need right now. And we just listen while we're here to the Holy How about healthy teeth? Is God concerned about your teeth? Can He take a tooth that's decaying and make it new? Oh, now you've gone overboard. That's just ridiculous. Not only can he, he desires to. Thank you, Lord, for touching teeth right now. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to people's uh, mouth right now. 
to their teeth and to their jaws. Thank you for aligning what needs to be aligned. Thank you, Lord, for any teeth that need to be made whole, for making them whole. For clean, healthy, straight teeth. Thank you for clean, healthy gums and, 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 and whole jaw bones to support them. And the muscles supporting the jaw. Thank you for it. Thank you for it now, Lord. Healthy, strong teeth. Just as we're ministering, the Holy Spirit impressed me to pray for teeth. How about that? Everybody smile. So receive it. Facebook, how you doing? Are we on? We live? Okay, good. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 13. We are not like Moses. Thank God. Moses is not our example. Being in some churches, you would think Christianity was built upon Moses, the Mosaic Covenant. It's not. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face purposefully. Why? To keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. So he spent two times 40 days in the presence of God. And when he came out of the presence of God, he was radiating, but it faded. He didn't want them to see it fading, so he put a veil over his face to hide the fact of his humanity. Why was it fading? Because God wasn't living inside of him. When you put your faith in Christ, you become God's new address. He's living inside of you now, and where he is, his glory is there. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. But their minds were blinded, verse 14. There was a veil over them. For to this day, the same veil, what is that? Ignorance of God's true nature remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. The only way for the ignorance of the heart of God to be removed from your life is by getting to know His Son. Verse 15, Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now it's important to understand the role that Moses played. The Mosaic covenant was not a part of God's plan. Oh boy, I'm really saying some things now. When God made Adam and Eve, did he hand them a tablet of stone? Are you sure? He didn't. In fact, when Adam opened his eyes, do you know what he saw? The face of God. Have you seen his face? Do you know his countenance upon you? How much he loves you? 
how intent he is on blessing you and transforming you and leading you forward into the fullness of the purpose that he designed for you. So from the creation of Adam until the fall, we don't know exactly how long it was, but we know that Satan comes immediately to steal away the word, so it wasn't too long. Adam had to leave the presence of God. He had to leave that. He had to leave the garden. But someone came along thousands of years later named Abram. Right? From Adam to the Mosaic Covenant was how long? Anyone know? It was about 2,500 years. Maybe between 2,500 2,600 years. God made a covenant with Abram, who he changed his name to Abraham, 400-some years before the Mosaic Covenant. That is the covenant that God honored when he sent his son, the Abrahamic Covenant. The only reason God had to implement the Mosaic Covenant was because of the hardness of his people's hearts. They became so stubborn and so hard that they said, God, we don't need you. We got this. He had to show to them how desperately they needed them by giving to them the law. To show them how perfect and pure he is. And to point them to Jesus Christ so that they would realize we can't do this without you. We need a Savior. Send your son. Do you see that? You're not a part of the Mosaic Covenant. It's been fulfilled. It's not in effect anymore. Why would you try and live under something that doesn't exist? If you try and live in a house that doesn't exist, you get poured on. You're cold. You're wet. You're homeless. Don't be homeless. Come to Jesus Christ and let God cover you. Let God build a home for you that the rain can't have an effect on, that the attitude of man can affect, that depression can affect, that sickness and disease can't get in. Let Jesus be your house. The heart of God has been completely unveiled to you through the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. Get to know him. See, that's what I did at 19. I'm so glad someone gave me a Bible because I was talking to God for probably two years prior to that. I'd take long walks. There was a golf course across the road from my house. And I'd leave my house like 10 o'clock at night because I wanted to talk to God. <laughs> 17. I'd just walk up this hill they called the monster, and the whole number six, 500 and... I don't know, 75-yard par five. Straight uphill. When we were visiting with my kids, I took them up the monster on Old Princeton Road in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Anyone ever got a birdie on a par five? John? I knew you did. That's good. But it was a long hole uphill. So I started walking up the monster at 10 o'clock at night, summer night. And I go all the way up, I walk through the cart path in the woods, and I say, God, show yourself to me. Who are you? 
I don't want to know who my church says you are. I knew that wasn't right. I don't want to know who man says you are. They're, they're just missing it somehow. But who are you really? And I meant it with all of my being. And I would do that sometimes for two or three hours. Come back one, two in the morning. And I've been walking and talking with God. And from that point on, once I started doing that, every decision I had to make in life, I said, God, what do you want me to do? I didn't know the Bible. Never read it. Didn't know Jesus. But I wanted God. So I started asking him to direct me. Can he direct someone who's not a Christian? Oh, yeah. Just give him a chance. Can he reveal, reveal so, himself to someone who's never read the Bible? Yes. Hello, nice to meet you. That's me. And he began to unfold his plan for my life. And I had different plans. And I said, God, do you want me to go there? Okay, I'll go. Do you want me to do this? Okay, I'll do it. That's, here's me, 17, never read a Bible, walking in a golf course at midnight. <laughs> Asking God what I should do with my life. And it was about a year and a half, probably later, that someone started talking to me about the Bible. And I was in a different state. I had moved already. And I was in northwest Ohio. And I said, I'll tell you what. You give me a Bible, I'll read it. Next day, he showed up had a Bible. I said, okay, what do I do with this thing? Where's the, the on button, you know? What, double A or, or nine volt? What's it take? Never didn't know what to do with it. Completely unfamiliar to me. He says, start in the book of John. It's in the New Testament. It's right here. He turned to me. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. And read that. It's okay. So I took my Bible, and I went back to my room. No one else around. I, I sat down at a desk, and I put the Bible. And it was, I think it, was, it might have been a, this color. But I laid it. It was a thinner one. It was like a thin line one. And I laid it on the, on the desk in front of me. I put my hand on it. I didn't know anything. I just said, God, if this is you, show me. When I read this, reveal yourself to me. And then I opened it and I started reading and my heart exploded. And I found what I've been looking for my whole life. I found Jesus and I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough. And I kept reading and talking to him. Now I could really talk to him with a depth and a wisdom that I got from the scriptures. Now I began to understand, wait a minute, you came, you sent your son for me? But what about all the mistakes I made? You've forgiven those? You love me still after all I've done? I did a lot by the time I was 19. I wouldn't have made it to 21 if I didn't start talking to him. So the person of Jesus is the biggest deal to us at Highway Church. Yes. Yes. And you have to declutter your thought life and your life. Because church can clutter it up. And when the Lord spoke to our heart to start this new work, we, we were determined to keep it simple. That when people would come here, we don't want a bunch of obstacles in their way. We want you to come right, in, right into the presence of Jesus. And to get to know him in a very real way. We don't have any hoops for you. We don't have any, any uh, obstacles or detours or fine print or hidden agenda. 
The purpose of our assembly, of our gathering together publicly, is to help you experience more of Him. Okay? Now this person of Jesus that we're focused on, no one has revealed the heart of God perfectly like Him. He perfectly revealed God's will and God's nature. We can't say this of anyone else in history, past, present, or future. Now, you can look through the scriptures, and you'll see elements of God revealed in different prophets and and people in the scriptures, but no one perfectly exemplified the heart of the Father like Jesus. You know, you can't have a life-producing relationship with a statue You ever tried? You ever tried to taste a statue? What does a statue taste like? Stone or marble or ceramic or plastic. None of the above have I ever eaten unless I didn't know what I was eating. As a kid, I don't know. I may have swallowed some toys, some Lego or something when I was a kid. You can't do it. You can't have a life-producing relationship with a stained glass window. It will shatter and cut you. You can't have a life-producing relationship with incense. You can't have a life-producing relationship with a beaded necklace. This is not unique to any one group of religious people. There are many different religious groups that use different accessories. You can't have a life-producing relationship with religious accessories. How's that? The only way to have a life, joy, peace health-producing relationship with God is through God, His Son. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Let's look at this in Hebrews chapter 1. How are we doing? Are we still awake? He's been talking for hours. <laughs> Not really. Whew. Hebrews chapter 1. One of my favorite places in the scriptures because this is the verse that enabled me to receive healing in my life because I wasn't sure that it was God's will for me to be well and I was sick for the first 20 some years of my life and I thought if God made me that way, I'm okay with that. But he didn't. Second Corinthians chapter, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter one, look what it says about Jesus And, and God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, boy, the Holy Spirit is really stirring in me. Wow. Hmm. Aren't you something? Boy, is he interested in you. Someone's really been harboring some dark thoughts. (laughs) Thoughts you know are not right, but you've been listening to them. And they're making you weak. 
and they're clouding your vision. Thoughts of, of your past, thoughts of what people have done to you. Hmm. Listen, the blood of Jesus covers your entire life. Let it go. Your past is exactly that. Your past, it's over. Would you let Jesus give you some new thoughts today? In fact, if you just thought about how much he loved you for the rest of your life, you'd be all set. Just practice thinking about that. How much he loves you and what he's already accomplished for you. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So how has God spoken to us? Through Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? Who was with Jesus? He took, he took three of his disciples. Who were they? James, Peter, and John, the closest three of his disciples. He took them up the Mount, and he was transfigured before them. Then who appeared? Moses and Elijah. What did God say? Well, what was Peter's response? Let's make a, a tabernacle for each one of you. What was Peter doing? Putting Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah. What was God's response to that? This is my son. Listen to him. What does Moses represent? The law. What does Elijah represent? The prophets. What did we just read? In these last days, God's spoken to us through His Son. It's time to listen to the Son. Verse 3. Jesus, the Son, that's who we're talking about here, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His nature. The exact representation of the nature of the Father. There is no variance between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the Father. The heart of God. When you're looking at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and Jesus in the Apostles in Acts, which is the only book still being written, you're seeing the heart of the Father. See, this flipped the tide for me. Because I had been a believer for probably seven years. I was about 26 years old at the time. And, and I had seen God do amazing things in my life. I, I believed, when I first started reading the Bible, I was just believing everything I read. Then I started meeting other Christians. And, and, and going to different churches and hearing different things. I thought, huh? Why do they believe that? Jesus never said that, but they were adamant about it. I thought, well, maybe I'm missing it, because how do I know? I've just been reading the Bible for two weeks, three weeks, and they've gone to Bible school, and they've got a church and traditions, and here's me just 
Mr. Golf Course. <laughs> you know? Actually, my dad knew the owner. He let us play for free. I didn't even have a membership. And then, what do I know? So I was just getting confused as the years went on. And I received healing. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was praying in other tongues. I saw the gifts of the Spirit operating in my life. But then I found there are believers who said that doesn't happen anymore. That that's passed away. I thought, uh-oh, what's wrong with me? Where did I miss it? I'm just reading this and believing it. Why, how could I be so stupid? Reading the Bible and believing it. There's got to, I mean, why would anyone want to do that? I'm being facetious, right? It's that simple. Read it and believe it. Read what Jesus did and know that's what he's going to do in your life. So this scripture we just read, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, turned the tide in my life. Because I was sick my entire life and, and, and uh, came from a medical family and they really couldn't do anything for me. They tried everything we knew how. But I thought, well, if this is just the way I am, I'll just live this way. And that's, that was fine with me. I loved God. I didn't care. But when I read this, and the Lord ministered through a number of different people, and, and I got a hold of some great books uh, that, were, that really helped me. But this was the scripture that, wait a minute, Jesus is the will of God. Yes. And, I, I, and, I, and I knew, because I read it over and over and over again, that in the ministry of Jesus, he made no one sick. Ever. Because of that truth, I knew he didn't make me sick. I knew he didn't cause it, and I knew he didn't allow it, because that is not his nature. Because I read and studied his ministry, no matter what churches were telling me. No matter what tradition said, I went with the person of Jesus. And I studied the person of Jesus and his ministry. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Where is that written? 1038, right? And then Hebrews 13, 8 says what? He's the same. Yes. So I knew it was his will for me to be whole today. And when that registered, it took about four to six months of studying the person of Jesus before it finally registered in my heart that I was healed. Didn't look like it, didn't feel like it, but I knew it now. When I knew it in here, every sickness, everything wrong with me lost its hold on me and began to get weaker and weaker in my life. And I received healing from everything I ever had. And anytime any, any thief tries to come back into my life, I simply remind myself of the person of Jesus and what he already did for me, what his will is for my life, to be whole for the rest of my life. And guess what? The thief can't come in to this house anymore. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way, yes. the truth, yes. the life? No one can have a relationship with the Father but through me. I'm so glad he's not a book. Yes. 
Have you ever tried to talk to a book? I mean, I know they make e-books now. But you go, ahead and, you go ahead and talk back to it, see what happens. It'll just keep on going. Books aren't living. The, written, the Word of God is living, right? Let's put up John 14, 5. Then we're going to read one, one parable here, and we'll be done. Jesus said in John 14, 9, put that one up there. We'll jump to 9. He said to Philip, have I been with you so long, and yet you've not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. That's all I need to know. The mystery of God is gone in Jesus. The veil is removed. Now I can really know him like I know one and one or two. That's what faith is, being certain and sure. So let's get a big, fat look at the heart of God. Are you ready? Then we're done. We're going to get a big, fat look at the heart of God, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 15. We're going to move through this. We're almost done. Luke chapter 15. You know, I was sharing someone. We really do try and move through the service as expeditiously as we can. But I don't know. How many people have been to a really nice restaurant? Come on. I mean, really nice like, you know, one of those kind of places, you know, where you've got to withdraw some moolah to go there, you know. You've got to make sure you've got the funds to pay for the water they give you, right? I'm talking about one of those really nice places. Well, you know, highway churches. When you go to a restaurant like that, you're not like, okay, let's go. I'm like that at McDonald's, right? I just want my cheeseburger or my Sunday with nuts on it, right? Because it's just fast food. But it's really special when you go to a nice restaurant where the parking lot's nice. They park your car for you. I mean, come on. You get out of the car, and they get in it, and they take care of it for you. And they escort you into the place, and someone greets you who's dressed nicer than you've ever been dressed. <laughs> and they seat you at a table and say, woo-wee, this is nice. And the atmosphere, beautiful music playing, you know? And you just want to be there and enjoy it. That's what we're doing right now. This is a nice restaurant. We serve fresh gourmet Jesus every Sunday. So put your napkin on your lap, get out your silverware, and eat and enjoy the atmosphere, the ambiance of the presence of God. Now, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, what is this parable known as? The prodigal son. Isn't that funny? Ha, ha, ha. It is not the parable of the prodigal son. That's what shows you how religious the Bible translators were. They had such a, a shallow understanding of God that they read this amazing parable and they put in your Bible, the Passion Translation got it better. They put, put a different title there. But if you have a title, usually it's the prodigal son. You know what this should be called? 
the magnanimous father. The lavish love of God. This is a parable about God's heart for you. That's what this is. See, religion will focus on the son because of his sin. And that's what religion will do with you. Focus on your sin. And miss the love of the father. You can't focus on sin and the love of the father at the same time. It doesn't work. If you'll focus on the love of the Father, sin will lose its grip on your life. You won't have to think about it anymore. It's the love of the Father that sets us free from sin. It's the love of the Father that breaks cycles in our life. It's the love of the Father that transforms us so that sin is forever in our past and Jesus is forever in our present and future. So look at this. I love this parable of our magnanimous Father. You like that word? It was on a menu at a fancy restaurant. I was at. <laughs> Verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to the, his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that, that falleth me, my inheritance. Right? And look what the father does. He divides unto both sons. Did the other one ask? God wants to give you things you haven't even asked for. It's his pleasure to do so. He gave to both of them their inheritance. And not many days after, the younger uh, son gathered all together. He, took, the, he looked, took his journey into a far country and wasted his inheritance with riotous living. This is where religion camps. And we'll spend the next 30 years talking about this. The, the, the effects of riotous living. And no one ever gets set free. That's not what the parable's about. And when he had spent all there, and when he had spent all, my heart's going faster than my mouth can speak here, there arose a mighty famine in the land. Isn't that just like Satan? Satan wanted to kill both of these sons. So what's he doing? Trying to destroy this young man. He's tempting him with sin. He's leading him to waste away his inheritance. And then when he's at bottom, bam, he strikes him with a famine. See, Satan has schemes and strategies. So know when you're being tempted, there's more to it than what he's tempting you with. So just say no at the front. Because I'm telling you, there's a, there's a back end of that thing you don't want to even come close to. Stop it at the front end and save yourself the grief and heartache and tragedy. Because that's where Satan wants to take you. But it's, it's, it's made null when you just say no. Whew. And no man gave unto him. He's absolutely void of all favor. No one has pity on him. No one cares about him. He's hit bottom. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread? So that his father's prospering in a famine. <laughs> That's what Jeremiah 17 says, right? Those who trust in him, they're like a tree planted by rivers of water that spreads out its roots by the stream, right? They shall bear fruit in a year of drought. They'll never cease from yielding fruit. They'll never cease. They'll never lack. I'm so glad for Jesus. So his father is still prospering in the midst of this famine. 
And he says, uh, well, you know, let me go back to my dad. Now, if his dad was judgmental and condemning, would he want to go back to him? Of course not. Do you know under Jewish law, hear me before we, we go, under Mosaic law, the father had a right to stone his son for what his son did. It was of the highest disrespect. He actually brought shame and disgrace to his family. He said, basically, Dad, I really don't care about you. I just want your money. And then he went and blew it all. But what was the heart of his father? We're going to see. He wasn't condemning. He was just the opposite, accepting and loving. He said, I'm going to rise. I'm going back to my father. I remember how he treated me. I know his heart. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. They've got it way better than I do. And he arose and came to his father. Now look at the heart, the magnanimous heart of God toward you. While he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Why? Because he was daily scanning the horizon for him. He was on his mind. He was in his heart. He said, where's my son? When's he coming home? Where is he? That's God's heart towards you. He's scanning the horizon, waiting for you to trust him. And as soon as you trust him, oh, he starts running towards you. Where are we at? Verse 21, 22. I, I skipped 20, didn't I? Yeah. He was a great wolf. The father saw him and had compassion and ran. 40-yard dash right there. Maybe it was more like, I don't know, half a mile, a mile. Maybe it was three miles. He was a great way off. Maybe his dad just ran a, a 5K. What do you call those things? Yeah, so maybe he just ran a 5K. I don't know. But he was a great way off. It didn't matter. I want to get to him before he gets to me. I want to love him before he says anything. I want to demonstrate to him how much I've missed him and how I want to care for him and how I'm going to provide for him. I don't care what he's done. That's my son. So he runs to him, and look what he does. He falls on his neck. It means he hugs him. He just embraces him, and he kisses him over and over again. And the son, Father, I've sinned against heaven and your sight. I'm no worthy to be called your son. The father doesn't even hear what he's saying. The father calls his servants. They're running after him, right? They ran the 5K too. He says to them, bring the best robe I own. That's what God has given you, the robe of his righteousness, right? A garment of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit. Bring him the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand. What is this ring? A symbol of who I belong to. Right? I want everyone to know that's my son and he belongs to me. And he has my authority. He's in my family. Put it on his finger. Hallelujah. And shoes on his feet. Your feet fitted with the good news of the peace of Christ that he has brought to you. And bring hither the fatted calf, the very lamb of God that was sacrificed for you. Kill it and let us eat and be merry. 
For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. No one's talking about his sin. What's wrong with these people? They love him. That's what's wrong with them. When you love someone, you're not interested in rehearsing their sin with them. You care about them, not their sin. All oh, that the church would start loving people and stop talking about their sin. What a different place church would be. Hallelujah. Now, there was another son. Remember him? His elder son. He's kind of like the religious people. Like a lot of churches I maybe have been through. His elder son was in the field. And he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. This is foreign. Because we don't do that in church. That's happy stuff. We don't be happy in church. Music and dancing, something's wrong. That's not normal. He called one of his servants and he says, what do these things mean? Joy should not be foreign to the church. Music and dancing should be a part of everything we do. And he said unto him, your brother has come, and your father's killed the fatted calf. He's received him safe and sound. And he was angry. Religion gets angry at music and dancing. Gets angry that you've been made safe and sound in Jesus. And would not go in, therefore came his father out and entreated him. Is his father mad at him? He said, come on in, son. There's a party going on you don't want to miss. And he answers his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. I've heard sermons like this. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet you never gave me a kid. That I may make merry with my... He wouldn't know how to make merry if his life depended on it. Who's he kidding? Ha, who's he kidding? No pun intended. He wanted a kid. <laughs> but as soon as this, thy son was come, which has devoured thy living. I'm going to tell you about his sin. You're not going to talk about it. Let me tell you about it. Isn't that what religion does? You're preaching about God's love and grace. You better tell them about their sin. Son, this is what the father says. Well, he's, he, he's rehearsing his sin, right? Your son came, which has devoured your living with harlots. And you've killed him, the fatted calf. And the father, the magnanimous father, says, Son, you're always with me. All I have is yours. Remember the first thing I said? All of God is available all the time to anyone who's not crabby. <laughs> you can go from crabby to happy in the blink of an eye if you'll believe that he loves you. All I have is yours. It was proper, that's what meat means in the King James. It was proper that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead, he's alive again, and was lost and is found. This is the heart of God. And this is what we're going to know like never before during this series. Father, thank you for this time together. 
You are magnanimous. Oh, what a love you've lavished on us. Lord, you, because you've given us your Son, we know that it pleases you to give us all things, that every good and perfect gift is from you. Father, I, I pray right now for not only those who are here, but anyone who would hear this message through uh, social media or through our podcasts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remove any veils that may be there and give them a revelation of the love of Christ. That they would see your heart no longer their religion. That they would see the very heart of you. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.